floor, please. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the six o'clock pairing. On the tee, from River West, please welcome Gabe Neitzel. Also on the tee, from the third ward, this is Stephen Watson. It's Monday evening, and you're on the tee. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. Now to take you around the course. Live from the Gruber Law Office's One Call That's All Studios at Radio City. Alongside Stephen Watson, here's Gabe Neitzel. What a weekend. What a great weekend of golf that we were treated to. At the 122nd United States Open Championship, the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts, Matthew Fitzpatrick, your U.S. Open champ. I'm Gabe Neitzel, along with Stephen Watson. I am at Wild Rock in the Wisconsin Dells, just finished up their uh, ex-golf Wild Rock double-dip pro-am. More on that in just a little bit. But Stephen, with everything that's been going on in the world of golf, and we've been bogged down a lot this season with... um, you know, what, what's, what's kind of been going on in terms of live and, and, and where is that going to take professional golf? And some guys are actually going over there and playing. And it was something that was talked about so much earlier in the week. But when it came time to play the golf, the course delivered, the players delivered. We have had a really fortunate, I think, major championship season because we got a crowning for Scotty Scheffler, which was cool to see. And the last two majors have delivered. They've been compelling. They've been uh, dramatic down the stretch. I, I just don't think we could ask for anything more than having Matt Fitzpatrick, Scotty Scheffler, Will Zalatoris, all guys who are in their 20s finishing in the top three at the U.S. Open. Each of the last five men's major champions have been in their 20s, Gabe. That has not happened. There's not been a longer streak of that since 19, the 1920s. Just goes to show it's a young person's sport right now. And, and Gabe, going back to kind of how you started the show, we had back-to-back weekends where Liv like, did its best to try and steal the spotlight in golf, you know, casting what Brooks Kepka called a dark cloud over the sport. Only for us, in back-to-back weekends to once again be reminded that competition fuels the superstars in this sport. It was Rory at the RBC Canadian, that huge win, that duel he had with JT last weekend, and the finish we had on Sunday was unbelievable. There were eight different lead changes on moving day, just eight different leaders on Saturday at the U.S. Open, setting up an unbelievable Sunday finish where... They just couldn't get past six, and the course was demanding. It was everything you wanted out of a U.S. Open. A great champion won. A rising star had a dramatic loss, you could say that. And Scotty Scheffler continues to be an engine on the PGA Tour right now. It's just, it's always fun for a U.S. Open to play like this for me. It was kind of the same setup that they had at, Um, at the PGA this year where, okay, par is going to be a good score, but there are birdies to be had out there, you know, where it kind of feels like some past U.S. Opens, you're holding on down the stretch and you're like, okay, well, this guy's got to make a bogey in order for this guy because there aren't any birdies. Nobody's making any birdies. You're just kind of grinding. And there were opportunities to make birdies. There were opportunities to make putts. We saw Will Zalatoris just slide that putt on the 18th, the 72nd hole, just slide it past, and and he could have been for the second consecutive major in a playoff it, it's just it, it was dramatic all the way down to the final putts and I mean, Matt Fitzpatrick isn't someone we've talked about a ton but he's somebody 
that when gritty golf needs to be played, major championship-style golf, where you need to grind out pars, and yeah, you're going to make the occasional bogey, but you'll make a couple of birdies in there as well. When you know He hasn't been a guy that I think really shines on the week-to-week PGA Tour where you've got to be 18 to 20 under par in order to win. But when you've got a course that's going to be set up like this, the majors, the, the, the higher level events, you're going to see Matt Fitzpatrick rise to the top because of how gritty his game is. Well, it's a course that he knows well. He won the 2013 Amateur. He's the first international player to win the Amateur and the U.S. Open on the same course. Jack Nicholas did it um, as well. But I mean, just the opportunity. Think about the opportunities for that to happen. Like, yeah. It doesn't happen. Like, I mean, they again, they they had the you know the AM there, and, and we're we're fortunate because we've got a course in Aaron Hills that has hosted both the AM and the U.S. Open. But that's got to be you know the, the courses that have hosted both of those. And I know you know there are some more now because you know the USGA liked to test out some sites with the USAM before they decided to award U.S. Opens. That's that as it happened at Aaron Hills, but. Just for that to happen, it's unbelievable because I hope Brookline makes it back into the rotation yeah. um, for U.S. Open courses. I don't know if it will, Stephen, but I thought the course looked great. It played phenomenally. It was a joy to watch. And a fun nugget about Fitzpatrick and going winning in 2013 and then winning on Sunday. He actually kind of summoned his old magic from 2013. He stayed with the same host family that he stayed at in the Boston area back in 2013. He and his family rented their house, slept at their house, and they they felt like it was a a little good luck charm. And sure enough, he's won both tournaments. I don't know who this family is, but you know, or, or how comfortable their beds are, or what it may be, but I found that to be pretty cool that he decided to just try and conjure up all of that good karma. And uh, it, it paid off for him in a big way. I, from a performance standpoint, Gabe, Matthew Fitzpatrick is a rising star who's been just on the brink for so long. He had 17 top 10s without a win. That was the most on the PGA Tour, the longest streak <laughs> since the 2019-20 season. You know who's second and is now has the longest streak? It's Will Zalatoris, who's now up to 16 straight, or 16 top 10s without a win since the 2019-20 season. Those are the types of guys, Gabe, that I feel like are so important to that next wave of golf. They're likable. They play great, creative golf. I mean, I can't believe we've gone seven minutes without talking about the shot that Fitzpatrick hit out of the bunker on 18. Unbelievable. That that was, I mean, Zalatoris called it a 1-in-20 type of golf shot after, after the round. And Fitzpatrick wow. said he pretty much blacked out. You know, it, 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 <laughs> he 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 ended up hitting 17 of 18 greens on Sunday. Fitzpatrick, he's going to oh, get yeah. a lot of credit for what he did on 18 and that heroic shot he hit out of the bunker. But he went out there and won this thing by just playing steady, steady golf and weathering a leaderboard that was really erratic on Sunday. I mean, it was a lot of the same names at the top, but I mean, Scheffler went out there and went four under through six. And yep. and Zalatoris, you know, got to six and then gave it back on thirteen or on twelve. Um, but you got to credit Fitzpatrick. I I think he went out and won this thing, and it was really impressive and fun golf to watch from him. A guy who was on the European Ryder Cup team. A lot of people forget that here at Whistling Straits this fall. I saw this tweet earlier this morning from Kyle Porter at CBS. Does a great job covering the PGA Tour, and obviously was at the U.S. Open. But so. Of all the players who have made the cut at the first three majors of the year, only three are under par. 
Will Zalatoris leads the group at 13 under par, which again makes your heart break for him because he's played so well at the Masters, made it to a playoff like nobody beat him in 72 holes at the PGA. But Justin Thomas was better than him in the three-hole aggregate playoff. Almost gets into the playoff against Fitz. Then Rory is 11-under. Fitz is 7-under. Those are the only three players under par in all three majors combined this year for players who have made the cut. JT, our other ma- one, another major champion, is sitting there at one over par. He's the next closest to uh, someone getting to even par. So it just kind of tells you how good Zalatoris and Fitz have been this major season. And then the other name on there that... I know you're a big fan of. I'm such a huge fan of this guy. I I know there are a lot of people in golf media that root for this guy, and we're really hoping he could pull off the back-to-back from the Canadian Open, and that's Rory McIlroy. And it it just... I know people are, are, are starting to be ready to kind of give up on Rory in major championships. I'm not there yet, Stephen. I'm just not there yet because him constantly now, and it, it's not, I mean, this wasn't like the back door. He was there. He was there in the top 10 all week long, kind of like he was at the PGA where, you know, he didn't backdoor top five or anything like that. He was there. Him being in contention is only a good thing, and that means eventually one of these weeks it's going to go his way, and Rory McIlroy is going to grab major championship victory number five. And I think the thing that's most impressive about Rory over the last couple of weeks is that he has become the voice of reason in golf. He has taken with pride the leadership role of being the voice of the PGA Tour and the anti-live movement. I mean, he is the one that is fielding all the questions at all the press conferences. His voice is the loudest, and that has to weigh on you, Gabe. You, you have to imagine like the, the, the mental toll that that's taking on him as he's preparing for these tournaments. And, and then he's gone out there, and over the last couple of weeks, the last six starts, he has four top fives. Rory. With all of this live drama surrounding him, he is going out there and playing unbelievable golf right now. And it's not even what he's doing on the course. I think the moment that he had with Fitzpatrick on the 18th green after Fitzpatrick won, like that's the type of stuff from Rory that I feel like he would do behind closed doors a little bit more. But like he was the ultimate good guy to be there hugging Fitzpatrick, being kind of the first guy to greet him after. Like I really think he's taking a lot of pride and in being the face in a time where golf really needs a leader, and Rory is stepping to the plate right now. And that's such a hard thing to do because Rory has talked in the past where I mean Tiger's been the face of professional golf for such a long time, and. Obviously, other guys have had to step up at different parts while Tiger had to deal with personal issues, while he had to deal with injuries, um, and, and now the injuries continue to um, you know, be there and limit Tiger's schedule after the, the, one, the one car crash that he had last year. But Rory's talked about like when, when Tiger was kind of back, you know, he won the, the, the Tour Championship, he won the Zozo, won the Masters, he had those three victories in that one-year stretch. Like, Rory was paired for him, and he goes, man, playing with Tiger, it's like having another stroke penalty because there's just so much going on around you. And it can be a, a tough thing to embrace. I think no matter what sport you're talking, if you're going to be the face of that sport, you try not to let it affect you, but it's going to eventually, you know, affect you. So him kind of being as outspoken as he's been. But I also like the attitude that's kind of come out of this. Like I feel like we're starting to see Rory McIlroy bounce around fairways. We're starting to see Rory McIlroy have that swagger, that confidence that's kind of been missing the last couple of years where 
you know, and he talked about this on the No Laying Up podcast, where, you know, about a year ago or so, at one of the majors, you know, his caddy looked at him and went, you're Rory bleeping McElroy. Yeah. Like, have that attitude, because you are... Uh, to me, Rory's one of the greats in the history of the game. I mean, he's got four major championships. He has 20 PGA, 21, excuse me, uh, major uh, PGA Tour victories. Yeah, like, there's one, a one more than, than that somebody else. That. One more than somebody Correct. else. Yeah. And a couple more majors than somebody else, too, um, who, who had trouble winning majors. But like, I, I, I am really rooting for Rory, and he's probably going to be the second guy I'm rooting for at the old course in about a month or so. Yeah, I... I, I just think the fact that he's performed like he has, and this is something we talked about a couple of weeks ago when Liv was the story in golf, and I'm glad to see Liv take a backseat to what we witnessed yesterday and the fact that we're talking about a major championship above this annoying tour. Um, but I think it's the fact that it's br- you had mentioned it, it's bringing the best out of Rory and an edge out of him that, we just haven't seen in a while. I mean, he has not won a major in almost a decade, Gabe, but mm-hmm. he is competing and contending. And that Sunday at the Masters was really where I feel like the script flipped for him. And I, I really think that Rory realizes his platform and he realizes that he is Rory bleeping McElroy. On the T's opening segment brought to you by Heartland Movement Center. Improve your golf game with a personalized approach from their experienced team. Learn more at heartlandmovementcenter.com. Still plenty of other things to get into around this U.S. Open, including why I'm sad. And while Colin Morikawa might be, and given his resume of recent major championships, he might be the guy we think Brooks Kepka is. More on that coming up in a little bit on the tee. You're listening to On the Tee with Gabe Neitzel and Stephen Watson on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. Brooks Kepka has this reputation being a guy that only shows up in the majors. That's when Brooks Kepka comes to play. He's always going to be on that major leaderboard. If you're not talking about Brooks Kepka heading into a major, then you're doing it wrong. At least that's been the reputation, I guess, for lack of a better word, Stephen, around Brooks Kepka because, well, I mean, he won four and he just he shot him off in such quick fashion. But this year, Brooks Kepka. 55th at the U.S. Open, T55 at the PGA. He missed the cut at the Masters, second consecutive year in which he missed the cut. And that was coming off of a pretty promising finish to 2021 where he was T2 at the PGA, T4 at the U.S. Open, T6 at the Open. So I don't know what's going on with Brooks Kepka, but the guy who is kind of sliding into that spot as someone who is just consistently at top of the leaderboard who's taken a couple of his own, Colin Morikawa. Yeah. Like, this is a guy, just, it seems every major, you can't shake this kid. Well, first of all, with Brooks, I mean, he just got married a couple of weeks ago. Very elegant wedding. You can you can see pictures all over the internet. So maybe, maybe he's a little distracted about his nuptials, just like you, Mr. Knight. So congratulations, by the way. It's our first show well, since you've you. become a married man. That that is true. Well, I appreciate. Very that. excited thank for you. you. But let's go. Let's oh, go back to Colin Morikawa. Yeah, it is. It is. I'm happy for you, um, Colin Morikawa. I mean, I, I I said it last year, a pretty bold prediction on this show that I think that he could be one of the guys 
that could contend with potentially double-digit majors at some point. I really think that his game lines him up, and his I mean, the meteoric rise he's had winning two majors so quickly and the consistency that we see from him week in and week out, it feels like. I think he is the best young golfer in the world. And I know Scotty Scheffler is the best in the world right now, but man, what we saw out of Colin at Whistling in the Ryder Cup, his consistency in the majors, I would pick him every week if I didn't pick Xander Shoffley. <laughs> but uh, here, I mean, more, more Cal, he, he's, he's the only last player. Six to, majors. Yeah, go ahead. Last six majors for Colin Morikawa. T8, T4, win. Fifth, T55, T5. And that T5 at the U.S. Open was with him clearly not having his A game. He figured it out yesterday and, and was four under par. Uh, one of the better rounds of the week at 66. Now Hideki bested him with, for round of the week at 65, and Hideki finished in fourth place. But Morikawa earlier in the week... Steven was saying, man, I just can't cut it. I can't cut it. I can't cut it. Shot 66 Friday, fell back with that 77 that he shot on Saturday in, in tough, cold conditions. But it, he, the one thing everybody knows about Colin Morikawa, oh, the dude hits a cut, and he wasn't hitting his cut and still found a way to get the ball around an incredibly tough, tough golf course and be one of uh, nine players under par. Yeah. He, he's the only player to finish in the top five in each of the last two U.S. Opens. Just goes to show. I mean, it, it's the toughest test in golf, and he's finished T five or better in the last two, and has an opportunity now to go to the Open and defend, become the first since Harrington to do it in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Yeah, mean, the I, U.S. Open just kind of seems to set up for him because you need to have really good. Like, you think about some of the the, the winners of the the U.S. Open. And I know Brooks, or excuse me, uh, Bryson, when he won his, it was more of a bomber's paradise at Wingfoot. And I think the USGA is going to be setting up some golf courses when you look at what's coming up where iron play and that second shot is going to be so important. And seeing what he's done at the last two U.S. Opens, T4, T5, he's going to rattle off a U.S. Open or two here coming up very shortly. I think he's my pick, my early pick for the Open. I I, I mean, you've played that course. I mean, God, can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, look, look, I just want to get this out of the way early. I'm going to get this out of the way early. You're just going to make I the pick right now? Month. Like, Tiger's not going to win. we got 24 but, days. But what if he did? I mean, we might have to do a segment on what would we do if Tiger won. What is, like, the most <laughs> outlandish thing that we would possibly do if Tiger went out and won on the old course? I'd have to think about I mean, that because yeah, my, my range a is jug tattooed somewhere. I'd get it on my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's in the future. We're talking about the things that happened yesterday because again, it's just hard not to be excited when you see Fitzpatrick, Scheffler, Zelatoris, Matsuyama, Morikawa, Rory McIlroy as the top names on a leaderboard. So it's just you, hard not to get excited. No, I, I mean. Jay Monahan has to be the most excited, right? I mean, for these back-to-back weekends to see the young guys in red on the top of those leaderboards when he has some of the older veterans names that a lot of people are familiar with in the non-golf world leaving for this live tour to see his superstars rise to the top on the biggest stage. I mean, he, he has to be so excited heading into Travelers to know that the PGA Tour and the USGA is stealing back the spotlight from that dark cloud that Liv has cast over them. I, you, you can't be happier 
if you're a fan of the game and the tradition of the game and the legacy that goes along with it and the competition than you are after these last two weekends, Gabe. And the other player, we talked a little bit about him last segment, but Will Zalatoris, like, the, the trajectory that this guy is on, um, you want to talk about having really good runs at major championships? Um, so he has finished second or T-second or better in every major with the Masters, PJ, and U.S. Open. He, he has not played in the Open Championship. He had to withdraw last year, so he's no official results in the Open Championship. But his last seven majors, T6, finishing second at the Masters, T8 at the PGA in 2021, missed the cut at the U.S. Open in 2021. Majors this year, T6, second, T2. Unbelievable. Like, yeah. this guy, he's going to win soon, right? Like, it has to happen. He has six top ten finishes in nine major starts. I mean, that is, that's bananas. I mean, Gabe, you could, you could think of it as simple as this. He is four strokes away from having three majors, and he still does not have a professional win. With what happened at the Masters, no, the, the PGA. PGA. He doesn't have a PGA Tour win. Correct, correct. Four he strokes won, uh, from having three. Win on the, uh, Corn Ferry. Yeah, four strokes from three majors. That's how, that's how tough this sport is. It's amazing. I mean, he's, he is a second-place finish away in 24 days at the Open from completing the Louis, which, if you aren't familiar, <laughs> is to finish second in all four majors like Mr. Oosthuizen famously did. Hasn't Oosthuizen it, done it twice? Hasn't he done the uh, second-place Grand Slam like twice? I feel like he's finished twice. And I mean, that's why we're calling it the Louis. I mean, yeah, but is, is, is Zalatoris Louis? Or do you think that he has enough to pull one of these out? He's got enough to pull one of them out because, again, he's 25 years old. He's only played in nine of these. Um, one of them was back in 2018 when he didn't have status on the PGA Tour. Like This guy's got good enough game, and it's not just like he's competing at one. Because each major, I guess the PGA and U.S. Open are kind of starting to trend a little bit closer together, but... Typically, all four majors kind of present different tests, right? And, and they're just different, which is why winning a, a Grand Slam has been so hard. Because for one player to be able to be tested and pass that test by winning a golf tournament that many times, or that many ways, it's a really hard thing to do. But you're seeing how well his game travels to the Masters, to the PGA, to the U.S. Open, and as good of a ball striker as this kid is, I can't imagine his game not playing in 24 days at the old course. I'm a little concerned about his hip. That continues to be a problem for him. He was concerned about it over the weekend at the U.S. Open. I mean, that's the type of thing that for a tall, lanky, string bean guy, I'm a little concerned about that for his future moving forward. I I do think Zalatoris is going to win eventually. But right now, is he any different than Xander in your eyes? Uh, Yes, I think so. Because Xander, and and this is going to seem strange to say because I thought he played well at the Ryder Cup this past fall. It seems that when Xander gets in position, he kind of melts away. Like, I haven't seen Xander in a while, probably since the Olympics, just step up and be 
you know, the guy that's going to be hitting tough shots and go, yeah, I'm the leader. Come chase me down. Look at that iron shot I just hit in there. It just seems that there's some tentativeness to his game once he gets himself in position or gets himself out in front and then kind of allows someone to kind of come get him. Whereas Zalatoris has just been... I mean, I just think of everything he had to do at the PGA, and he was so close there in terms of getting that done. He had, I mean, he, the one thing that he struggles with is clearly putting. Now, the 14-footer is, is not a distance that he has struggled with. It's been more five feet and in where he kind of has to do the loopy, hit it off his, the, the toe of his putter. And he actually putt really well this weekend overall. But, I mean, he gave that putt a really good yeah, one. Yeah, it looked so playoff. good. So, I mean, so you step up to the 18th, which has been such a tough hole all week, and there's trouble waiting for you everywhere. In fact, Fitzpatrick finds it, and Zalatoris hits it to 14 feet. Like, that, that to me, he's ready for the moment. It's just sometimes it doesn't work out for you in order to be able to win a golf tournament. It just seems like his game is good enough that he's going to be able to figure it out because he's not shying away from these big moments. I don't know if I don't know if I'm going to buy that he is ready for the big moment yet. I mean, his back nine like he had no business losing that. And I do think that Fitzpatrick went out and won it, but I mean Zalatoris opened the door for him cuz Zalatoris was at 6 under on the 11th through 11 and then he went mm-hmm. and bogeyed 12. He bogeyed 15 when him and Fitzpatrick were both off into the right rough. Fitzpatrick had a much better opening by spraying the ball further right, which was just luck. <laughs> and Fitzpatrick comes out and birdies Zalatoris bogeys. That was a two-shot swing on 15. That's where Zalatoris lost the U.S. Open. And then, yeah, but you, I mean, you, like you just said, they both blew it right. One of them got lucky because he hit it worse. Yeah, and and that's the and, one shot, and that's the two shots. That's that's the difference in in Zalatoris winning this U.S. Open and Matt Fitzpatrick being the one who's hoisting the trophy and and getting all the rewards. I yeah, I just I don't know. I mean, he he's been close, but until he proves me otherwise, he feels a little bit like Xander to me. Nah, I just I, I I'm. I'm going to respectfully disagree and just think that he's ready to go. And again, with as well as he hits his irons, he's going to be top 10. He's going to be on that front of the leaderboard in 24 days at the British Open. Golf weather in Wisconsin is here, and if you're looking for a great place to get outside, head to Fairways of Woodside in Sussex. I understand it's been really hot the last you know few days. You might be able to get out and golf. Don't worry. The team over at Fairways of Woodside, plenty of things on the drink menu that are going to keep you satisfied through that round of golf. It's a great atmosphere out there at Fairways of Woodside as well. I love to get out there with my golfing buddies. You're going to love it too. Book your tee time today at fairwaysofwoodside.com. More rolling up on the tee next. Your U.S. Open champion is Matt Fitzpatrick, and he hit such a fantastic shot into the 18th out of a fairway bunker that, Stephen, you saw this, he was terrified of. Yeah. I mean, Fitzpatrick almost went Mito Pereira on us on 18. <laughs> I mean, that, that shot, he, I said it earlier, Zalatoris said 1 in 20. He landed in that spot. And Fitzpatrick himself said that, you know, it's just one of those shots where you, you almost have to close your eyes. I mean, it, it's he, he said it is the scariest shot he has in golf, and that's a fairway bunker shot. And what did he do? He stuck it for 17 of 18 greens in regulation in the final round of a major. Whew. 
such I mean it was such a good shot. I mean unbelievably good shot. I mean we especially when you put it up against and, and, and granted it all depends upon, you know, what bunker you're in and the lip and everything. But the way that John Rom like come You can I say imploded. What he did. I mean he I couldn't believe what happened to Rom on, on Saturday when he couldn't get the ball out of the bunker. Yeah. Like, it wasn't even close, Stephen. Like, he didn't even get it close on the first try to get it out of the bunk, out of that fairway bunker. So it shows you that how tough some of those shots can be, even if you are a professional and now if you're Matthew Fitzpatrick, a major champion. So, Gabe, I was thinking about it. What is the scariest shot on a golf course for you? Because, like, a fairway bunker shot is probably the hardest shot in golf. One of like what in in your mind? What is the scariest shot on a golf course for you? Oh, it's this is so easy. Uh, it's the par five that's getting a little tight up by the green, and you've got a long iron, like four or five iron in your hand to hit it in there, and you had to wait ten minutes for the green to. Clear. <laughs> that is a, that's a problem I, mean, I don't have when I, I can think about you know waiting <laughs> for the green to clear from two fifty. <laughs> You know, you've got a four or five iron in your hand, and it's, you know, there's not a lot behind there. When you're hitting three or five wood, I feel a little bit more comfortable because there's just, you know, a little bit more behind the uh, the face of the club. But having to stand there for five to ten minutes waiting for the green to clear as you have to try to hit this, you know, long iron off a tight lie, that's that gets pretty scary because it's like, okay, I have to hit a good shot here. If I just hood this thing and snap hook it, I'm going to look like an idiot for making everybody behind me wait. So I've got to pull off a good shot. There's a lot of pressure to that. Yeah, I mean, you've got both groups watching you. You've got the guys who are oh, walking yeah. off the green that are probably looking back being like, all right, this guy waited for us. Let's see what he's got. And then you've got the guys waiting for you behind you that are like, oh, all right, let's see the big shot. I mean, what, what, what's your, your swing thought? Like, what are you doing to kill that time? What are you thinking about? Are you practicing? I mean, you try not to too much because you don't want to think about it too much. Um, but the, again, the one thing is like, okay, don't. The one thing you also don't want to do is don't, right before you pull the trigger, is, oh, don't snap hook this because guess what's going to happen? You're going to snap hook. Yeah, it. of course. You, know, you try to stay as positive as possible. You try to stay, you know, within it and try to, whatever swing thought or feel you're working with that day, that's the one you try to work with. Try to pull, pull that shot off. I I have a very very specific shot that absolutely terrifies me. As of late, it 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 used to be a shot that I was really confident with. But you remember how a couple weeks ago you told me I needed to get new wedges? Yeah. Uh-huh. So I went and got new wedges. Um, but I I I think I've been blading them a little too much because you know they don't have the same bump as my my old wedges. They're they're close but not the exact same. Um, so I'm pretty deep in my own head right now with my. 60 degree fair wedge flop shot so like if i'm like 50 yards out in the fairway and let's say we've got a pretty protected green got maybe a bunker right in front of me that i need to carry and just you know perfect like 50 yard 60 degree flop from the fairway Mm -hmm. it's a lot easier from the rough when you know you got a little grass underneath it and sure but when you you got to catch it clean on really thin grass and your miss is either a chunk that goes 10 yards or a blade that goes 90, I think that 50-yard perfect little flop 60-degree wedge is the hardest shot in golf for me. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's certainly a tough one, and it's a tough one, I think, for a lot of people. That's why I think getting wedges, getting fit for wedges, understanding, you know, bounce and, and, and that whole thing that goes into wedge technology, understanding how to make all the those things, you know, the bounce, the leading edge, have those things work for you is only going to be a good thing. I think more people need to do that and figure out, okay, this is how I you know, take a chipping lesson. So many people, Stephen, want to focus on, okay, full swing. I want to make sure the driver's doing that. Well, I mean, those little wedges, getting a little short game lesson is never a bad thing, especially for Ambers where you're going to be missing greens. you got to get up and down. You know, you might have to punch out and hit that little 50-yard little nipping wedge, kind of get it up in the air. So I, I think it's only a good thing. If, if that's something you're serious about, you want to get better at, taking lessons is always a good thing, especially getting a little short game lesson from your local PGA pro. Yeah, most people go to the range and they just want a rip driver and see how far they can hit it and you know hit your 7-iron and maybe a pitching wedge here or there, and then you go over the putting range, putting green and you, you hit a couple of putts, think that you have the speed down, and you forget about the fact that most of your shots are coming with your wedges. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. After putter again, that's it's it's all the short game stuff, and you. So you are not alone, I think, Stephen. Uh, if you have a, a game, a, a shot on the golf course that you're absolutely terrified of, the way that Matt Fitzpatrick says he was uh, scared of the bunker shot he had to hit the fairway bunker shot at 18. Go us, go ahead, hit us up on the first Midwest Bank Talk and Text Line 800-990-3776. Time to get into our Gruber Law Offices one call. That's all picks for the week. It's the Travelers Championship, and I am very confused, Stephen, with how good this field is. <laughs> why, why are you confused? Well, because, like, so JT's playing. Like, JT played the week before the major. Now he's playing the week after the major, too. Rory McIlroy's playing in this thing. Scotty Scheffler's playing. Xander Shoffley. Um I mean, why, why, Kepka? you gotta, you have to imagine that Monahan is having private conversations with all of these guys right now, saying we need you. Like they can't afford to have some no namer go out and win with this live stuff still having legs. Like they, they need their superstars. I under, I understand, but you can't just lean on them each and every week. I mean, this has got to be the last week that he leans on them, right? I mean, I'm sure there are going to be some stars that play in the uh, co-branded PGA Tour, uh, DP World Tour events, the Scottish Open that's going to be at Rena- uh, the Renaissance Course in Scotland the week before. Uh, the Open, so I'm sure you're going to see some guys there. I'm sure that's where you'll see Justin Thomas play because it is a sanctioned PGA Tour event this year, and he is now getting into the uh, habit of playing the week before a major. So I'm going to be curious to see who ends up playing in the Genesis Scottish Open. Um, But before then, I mean, so you've got the Travelers this week. John Deere the week after. Can't imagine a lot of guys are going to be traveling to the John Deere Classic over Fourth of July weekend. Steve Stricker told that, me that he's going. He, Steve Stricker said uh, told me that he's going to be back for that one. That's going to be his PGA Tour return. Well, that's John Deere. I mean, that's not shocking. No, the guys no. won about seven thousand times on, on <laughs> TPC Deer Run. He has twelve race. wins, and like eight of them have been in that tournament. <laughs> he's made he's made like clutch putts on eighteen every time, but. You know, you, I think maybe you get you can get them there this week. Next week, you're kind of yeah, probably not. Maybe the Scottish Open, but you're kind of running out of opportunities here for some prime time events. But the problem is, it isn't the next live event. Is it this upcoming weekend, or is it the, no? It's the following weekend. It, it's. I think it, it goes up it? against uh, the, the the John Deere Classic. I yeah, believe. yeah, it's the the weekend of the first, second, 
or 30th, 1st, and 2nd. Here's the thing. As long as Liv is showing, and maybe it'll be different this time because they're going to be in the United States and they're going to be in the West Coast, so you're going to have opportunities to potentially watch it. But only about 150 people were tuning in for watching it, and I don't think they were tuning in for very long. No. It was terrible. Some of the product was cool, but it, it did not engage me as a golf fan. I don't need to watch Phil go shoot plus 12. No. No. Definitely do not need to see that. Yeah, that's uh, June 30th, July 2nd. They're going to be out in Portland. Maybe they'll get some more people because the time will be uh, more what American golf fans are used to. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see on that. But we're uh, going to make picks on the Travelers Championship. Our Google office, one call, that's all picks. Stephen, who do you got this week? I mean, I'm going to go with the sexy pick. I'm, I'm going, I'm Team Rory, man. I'm riding this heater that he is on. His worst result, last six starts, was T18 at the Memorial. Top five in four of the last six starts. It's the first time in his career he's finished in the top ten in each of the season's first three majors, Gabe. I mean, Rory is on one right now. And I, told, I said it earlier in the show, there's a different fire under him right now, and he is continuing to keep that flame alive. I, I, I love Rory this upcoming weekend at Travelers. I love Rory as well, but I'm also going to stick and be a little chalky because, I mean, Scotty Scheffler's due. He won four out of six, now he's 0 for his last six. Now nah, he's due now. Our guy is due. Scotty Scheffler is going to win this week at the Travelers. Either way, again, as I mentioned, you've got Scotty, you've got Rory, Justin Thomas, Patrick Cantlay, Sam Burns, who's been so good, Jordan Spieth, Xander Shoffley. That's a really good field that they have, not mentioning Tony Finau and Brooks Kepka as well. And that doesn't even mention defending champion and Ryder Cup player for the United States, Harris English, who really hasn't had a great year. But that, that's a really good field for the week after a major. Can you believe that it's already been five years since that Spieth hole out on the final hole? Really? Out of the bunker? Five years. That was 2017. Wow. Oh, man. That is, that is hard to wrap my head around. And here's, <laughs> you know what the other thing is, Stephen? I hate that the U.S. Open's the third major now. Why? Because now that we only have one left, and, and I feel like I come up with a different excuse all the time, but now that we only have one left, it almost feels like summer's over, but summer's really just getting started. But it feels like we only got one major left. Yeah, that's just the problem of living in Wisconsin, man. <laughs> like <laughs> Most of the U.S. has had summer for a couple, couple of months already. Yeah, we're just, we're just warming up here. That's why we had a Ryder Cup in September here, and it was perfect weather. As I mentioned, I am at Wild Rock up in the Wisconsin Dells. We'll break down this golf course. was up here playing it for a uh, WPGA Pro-Am event. Uh, it was a lot of fun to play. We'll break it down and talk about it in case you haven't seen it. It is fantastic. Can't wait to dissect this course more coming up next in our course review. But first, do need to tell you about our friends over at Annex Wealth Management. They're a proud sponsor of On the Tee. It's time to know the difference. Annex Wealth Management provides investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning as a local fee-only fiduciary. It's time to put things in order. AnnexWealth.com, the website. Just got to click on that. Click, click on the Get Started button. Course Breakdown, coming up next on the tee. Just a little under a month from now, we're going to be back out at the Ball Golf Course for the ESPN Milwaukee Open. Always love being out there for that event. And it's rated one of the top five Palmer courses in the United States 
Again, a great Arnold Palmer design just north of Milwaukee. The ball golfers are challenging, but playable golf course and packages in the beautiful natural setting of Suckville, Wisconsin. Make sure you check them out uh, and uh, see everything they've got to offer. Great barn that's out behind the 18th that's great for events, and you can always check out things at the uh, at the bog, golfthebog.com. But we're going to be talking about a different golf course right now, the one I played today, part of the Wild Rock Pro-Am. The WPGA up event up here. We break down Wild Rock Golf Course right now. Thanks to our friends at Waste Management. Fescue, hole placement, dog legs, hazards. What don't you want to know about Wisconsin's variety of golf courses? It's time for On the Tee to give you a course review. Brought to you by Waste Management, a company that values inclusion and diversity, safety, our customers, and the environment. Join the WM family and visit careers.wm.com. Steven, you've played Wild Rock before, right? Many times. Love that course. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a, a cool place. And I'll tell you what, right, right now, it is running tough. I think it always runs tough. Yeah, but I mean, the, the fairways are real crispy right now. So everything's kind of running out. They had the greens rolling pretty quick. You had to be very precise um, when you come out to Wild Rock because I mean, they put some of the pins in some of the green complexes that they have. It's almost like they have three different greens that's all a part of the same complex. And depending upon where they put the pin, you know, it might be a big green, but you end up in a wrong spot, you're lucky to two-putt, and you're hoping not to four-putt on some of those pins. So it's it's such a joy to play, though. It's fun. It is playable. It's accessible. And the deal, I mean, they, the, the cost of it isn't that much. So if you get an opportunity to get up to Wild Rock for a round of golf, I cannot recommend it more. And it, it's designed by Herdson and Fry, you know, same architects that designed Aaron Hills. So you know what you're getting um, as far as quality of course, architecture. Gabe, every time I'm out there, I feel like I'm playing like three different golf courses in one. Like you got like the quarry holes, you've got some yep. great water holes, and then you've got some like farmland holes. Like it, the elevation changes are really dramatic out there. Um, it is definitely one of those golf courses where you do not play the same hole twice, which is my favorite attribute to a golf course. And I, I think they, they do it so well out there. Yeah, they've hosted, I mean, we're just talking about the U.S. Open. They hosted local qualifying up here earlier this year. I uh, had the local qualifier up here that a uh, handful of guys were able to go on in the U.S. Open qualifying. Last year, uh, they had Boys State Golf here uh, instead of at you know, University Ridge. Did a tremendous job of hosting that in 2021. So um, it's, it's kind of cool that they're starting to get, I think, a little bit more recognition for how good of a golf course they are across the state of Wisconsin. Again, it's, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle because we have so much great golf, and this is a little bit more of a, a journey for the Milwaukee folks. If you happen to live in the Madison area, you know you just shoot up 94, and it's a, a much shorter drive, but it's certainly worth getting up here if you can do it. I love their par threes. They have a couple of great ones. Um, number four, where you got to carry the water, and then you've got the road on your left-hand side. That's a great par three. And then, of course, 15 is probably you know, the hole that you come back for. Their par three over the quarry. And depending on where they put that pin and where you're playing from, which tee box you decide to uh, risk it with, that is all carry over that quarry. That, that quarry has collected a lot of golf balls. <laughs> How did you play it today? Uh, I 
I hit it on in two putt and I made par. I actually played the par threes pretty good today. I'm trying to think. I made par on the one that you had mentioned before. Uh, nine, I got up and down for par. I did three putt um, 11. Kind of left it on the front. And it was one where you kind of... Another Here's another shot that I... I'm always terrified of every time I have to hit it. Now, the consequences aren't as dire as maybe some of the shots we talked about before because it's only a putt. But when you have to hit a putt up a ridge and then it has to go immediately down a ridge, oh, yeah. like, figuring out the speed is so hard. And that's what I did and hit a little too hard to, you know, didn't make the comebacker. So, but I played the par, the par threes at one over today. Pretty happy about that. Yeah, that, that's great. You'll take that all day. But it's. Oh, yeah. It's, it's such a great golf course. Couldn't recommend it more. As you were mentioning, the, the, the par three you have to hit over the quarry is such a signature hole, I think, out here for them. But they've got you know, some good short par fours, long par fours. They mix it up so well throughout all 18. Keeps you on your toes, and you feel good when you play a good round of golf here at Wild Rock. And I cannot thank them enough for allowing me to hang out here a little bit longer and do on the tee right here um, from Wild Rock in the Wisconsin Dells. I'm jealous. How how hot was it today? It was it was steamy. It was a long round. It was five and a half hour round. In that um, heat, five and a half hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I was exhausted. Luckily, they did have some of the because a lot of times when you go to golf courses now, they don't have water in the water jugs. There was water in those today uh, here at Wild Right because he needed because he needed to stay hydrated. Gabe, I'm gonna have to Big check in to on you uh, when you're driving back. Yeah, I got to make sure I stay awake. Yeah, maybe get a little food on the way home as well. Want to thank everybody here at Wild Rock. Thank you to Stephen Watson. Thank you to Chris Larson for running the show tonight. We'll be back next Monday to talk more things in the world of golf right here on the team.